0: Guest is Sucharit Bhakti, a Thai-German specialist in microbiology. He studied at the universities of Bonn, Gießen, Mainz, and Copenhagen, and at the Max Planck Institute of Immunobiology and Epigenetics at Freiburg. He is a retired professor of Johannes Gutenberg University, Mainz, and from 1991 to 2012, he was head of the Institute of the University's Medical Microbiology and Hygiene Department. In Corona False Alarm, award-winning researchers Sucharit Bhakti and Karina Rice shed a light on the current era of COVID-19. They offer analysis of whether radical protective measures, including lockdown, social distancing, and mandatory masking, have been justified, and what the ramifications have been for society, the economy, and public health. Dr. Bhakti and Dr. Rice provide dates, facts, and background information on this topic. Welcome to our show, Sucharit. Hello. Before we get into the subject of this coronavirus, let's start with your history. Could you tell us a bit about who you are and what qualifies you to talk about COVID?
1: Well, um, I studied medicine and then I went uh, to... I became a researcher in medical microbiology. So uh, I I, uh, headed the Institute of Medical Microbiology in Mainz for, what was it, um, 20 years or so. And uh, I've been teaching medical microbiology and infectious diseases and researching these areas all my life, so 35 years. Uh, until my retirement actually 2012. So um, overall, uh, I think I know a little bit about infectious diseases and I was also an immunologist. So um, I was also teaching immunology. That is uh, the background that I bring with me. And my wife is actually a biochemist and molecular biologist, cell biologist. And she's um, a professor at the University of Kiel. Uh, and uh, so she has expertise in lots of areas that are touched upon uh, in the corona uh, corona saga. Well, so that's how it came to be that we 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 stood up and and spoke our minds.
0: Excellent. And in your book, you address how COVID nineteen compares with previous coronaviruses, to include the flu virus. Can you share with us how this compares today? Since major media would have us believe, because it repeatedly underscores how much more dangerous COVID-19 is, what do the infection numbers and daily death rates really tell us about this particular coronavirus and all that preceded it?
1: Well, as we uh, try to explain in our book, uh, the the whole business is extremely fuzzy, and hazy, so that it is virtually impossible for someone who is not in the field, and it's impossible for someone who hasn't studied and uh, looked at the data carefully, uh, to to come to the correct conclusion. And uh, that is why we um, wrote this book uh, to point out uh, the the pitfalls uh, that. Uh, that have been causing this whole uh, this whole story, this whole narrative, uh, to end in the disaster that we have. It begins with the with the definition of what is COVID nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the original definition was that COVID nineteen is the serious illness caused by this virus. Uh, SARS CoV 2, terrible name. See, the the name is so long that no one really understands what's going on. Uh, And uh, this virus was coined a new virus, which was also entirely misleading because it is a coronavirus as uh, as other coronaviruses are here, have been here among us uh, since the beginning of mankind. You know, coronaviruses together with the flu virus are probably the most successful viruses um, uh, in the world because they co-evolve with us. Uh, You know, they come for a visit in your body, then you replicate them, you multiply them, and then they just leave you again, and uh, you don't fall seriously ill, and you don't die. And so uh, this is peaceful coexistence and co-evolution. This is something that from the very beginning uh, a, a terrible note was struck. We have to destroy this virus. We have to win the war against this virus this is This is something that uh, sort of put everything on a very militant basis. you know, so we're in a fight, a fight for our lives and this is the narrative that that, that took everything you know uh Off the ground (laughs) and the hype uh, just just was born and soared up higher and higher because what then happened was um, the next terrible terrible mistake how to know when you have the how should you know whether you have the disease COVID-19 which is a pneumonia you know it's a uh, it's like a, like a flu, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or like many bacterial de- diseases that cause pneumonia. So, you know, pneumonia is, is something that uh, one of the most common infectious diseases you have. Um,
0: now, is you know, m- pneumonia v- viral? Is it or is it bacterial?
1: It can be viral. It can be bacterial. Uh, you know, there are about 10, at least 10, different agents, viral and bacterial, that cause the pneumonia. So, the most common cause of viral pneumonia is the flu, but the most common cause of the bacterial pneumonia is the pneumococcus. Uh, and the pneumococcus is just as deadly or even more deadly than the flu. So, we, we are, it's, the, it's essentially the most common cause of uh, pneumonial death uh, in the world and uh, no one talks about it so uh, we we are now looking at coronavirus which uh, is it always evolving changing mutating because uh, the trick about the flu virus and the coronavirus and by the way also the uh, pneumococci is that they have to mutate because our immune system learns to deal with them and if they come back in their old form uh, the chances that they're going to be able to infect us again and multiply are reduced. So they changed, they changed themselves a bit so that they are more successful in reinvading us as new viruses, so-called. Uh, but, you know, this term is, is, is very, very, um, um, it's, it's just a term that the, the virologists have, have uh, chosen. If, if the pneumococcus changes and mutates, the bacteriologists still call it a pneumococcus. They don't call it, you see, it's just a new type. It's a new variant. And this uh, coronavirus is also just a new variant, but it now it now was oh, it's a new virus, which strikes fear in the hearts of people because people think they have no immunity to it, you see. And uh, this is where things really go off
0: what about this idea that we don't have immunity as is being uh, foretold by the media we're being given daily reports of to strike fear in us yes, um, that's- if we have no immunity to this and, and clearly i'm sure you've witnessed on the media in the last seven eight months how uh, the virus is sort of not being represented properly because we've known about, like, let's say, there's been a coronavirus vaccine in felines since the 1970s that hasn't fared very well for those cats. Not at all. Why, why is it, you know, on the one hand, that the media has somehow been given hold of medical knowledge? Like, shouldn't we be seeing m- more voices and even different perspectives from scientists?
1: Well, uh, we're trying, you know, and uh, uh, we, we wrote uh, this section on immunology and vaccines in the, in the English version of the book, which I think that you have, um, and uh, went to great lengths to explain uh, how the whole system works, because no one who hasn't studied immunology or infectious diseases is able to know all of this. And so what's happening is that... Um, the the world populace is being misled, is being misled. I don't know whether this this is being done willfully or not, but there are now just a handful of people who are standing up to correct this misunderstanding. Of course, it's not true that we have no immunity against this virus. If that were true, then the death rate would be really way up, soaring way up in the sky, which it's not. And um, as I think, I hope, uh, most people realize, um, you know, one of the world leading epidemiologists, John Ioannidis of Stanford University, uh, who, who, who has done so careful research into the whole business, as he always has been careful. Uh, what John says is never wrong. <laughs> this is, you know, he's, he's one of the scientists who simply uh, are so careful in their research that they're, they always turn out to be right. And uh, what John published and has published, and it's been peer reviewed, and it's accepted by the WHO as correct because the WHO has posted it on its bulletin. That was last month. What you need is says is that after looking at all the data that is available you come you have to come to the conclusion uh, that the numbers are there for everyone to look at and the numbers say that if you are under 70 years old or if you are under 70 years old whether this is america or canada or Europe
0: um,
1: and you get infected by this virus then the infection fatality rate which means the number of per- the percent that will die because of this virus or with the virus is less than 0.1 percent. Now this is a number that you really really have to think about. It means that In fact, it's 0.05%. Five of 10,000 infected individuals under 70 years, will die because of or with the virus. This is a minuscule number. It is less than the flu, all right? So for people under 70, this virus is less dangerous than the flu. And there's nothing you can say that will, will, that, that will um, uh, change this this statement. So now if you if you know this, if you know this, uh, you have to ask two questions. First, how come ninety-nine point nine five percent of the infected individuals will not die? The only answer there is to this question is that these individuals, their immune system, must know how to cope with the virus. Are
0: these all individuals? Or these are individuals under the age of 70?
1: All individuals together under the age of 70. Okay, All right. Um, So, but you have to realize that um, during this epidemic uh, or pandemic, 85% 85% of the infected individuals were under the age of 70. It is not true that this virus infected mainly the elderly with pre-existing illnesses. It's not true, you see. So wh- what we're looking at now is um, uh, a virus with which people under the age of 70 can cope with. You know. Uh, so that that is the fact you see um, that means that 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 our immune system does know how to cope with the virus, and that's what we try to explain in the book, and we explain how this works, and it works because not because of the antibodies it's not the antibodies that are protecting us against this virus it's not like you know uh diphtheria, tetanus, or even measles, where the antibodies do protect. You see, the the big difference between this virus, which is a respiratory pathogen, it enters you uh, via your nose and by the airway and lands in your lungs. The difference between this virus and viruses against which we can develop antibody-based immunity is that those viruses which our antibodies can catch and prevent entering our cells are all viruses that disseminate in our body through the bloodstream, all right? And in the bloodstream, there are much more, more antibodies than on the surface of your airway, epithelium, all right, first of all. Second of all, the viral load in the bloodstream is always, you know, so much lower than the viral load that you get when a virus, uh, when someone coughs or sneezes the virus into, into, into your lung. And so the antibodies are not the mainstay of immunity against respiratory pathogens. There we need the lymphocytes, the killer lymphocytes, that come in and destroy the infected cells. So what happens is that people do get ill when they're infected, they may have a cough, they may have fever, but after a few days, the lymphocytes come and destroy the factory. They destroy your own lung cells that are harboring the virus, you see. That's the whole trick, that's the whole trick. And these lymphocytes are trained in combat with these viruses that come and go all your life, all your life. So, uh, you know, when, when, when your uh, child uh, goes to the kindergarten the first year, it's terrible. He's ill all the time. He's getting one coronavirus after the other. But the lymphocytes come and train in combat with these viruses. And when the next year the same viruses come in again, you have trained lymphocytes that that extinguish the fire faster that's why the child gets less frequently ill and when you're grown up you don't get ill that often anymore all right and that's that's a simple way things happen that's why most people didn't die in fact.
0: So the other types of coronavirus that we get that are not COVID-19 we survive but is there any kind of crossover between the lessons the body learns from surviving those other coronaviruses to surviving this?
1: Yes, 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 certainly. Uh, Sorry. Um, You know, a a new coronavirus is like, you know, you you have a child born. Uh, The child is new, all right? It's a new human, but it's still human. And uh, the child still looks like a human. And, you know, if, if, if the lymphocytes they recognize the general human form or the the general coronavirus form, so our lymphocytes that have been trained to 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 see and remember the old coronaviruses will also see the new virus because they they they, they have a memory. They they see the shape of the new virus because it's still a coronavirus. I don't know whether I can. I make myself understood.
0: This is quite clear. So then the hysteria that we have been uh, pushed into by media, unfortunately by our governments as well, is often surrounding the case of what people are calling the PCR test. The, it's polymerase chain reaction tests. Now, you see very little discussion about what these tests actually are. Could you briefly describe what the PCR test is and how, in my view, as I'm reading about this since February, my view is that part of the problem with the government's decisions have been based on these tests, many um, of which are not accurate and much of which there's been a myth constructed around them.
1: Of course, the PCR test, is uh, has been uh, has been really the cause of everything, the cause of the whole catastrophe. Because this PCR test is a lab test um, that has never been, uh, you know, released for diagnostic purposes, uh, and now it's being used to diagnose a disease, which is absolutely ridiculous. What does this test really do? I'd like to com- make just compare to the alcohol breath test, all right? Uh, alcohol breath test, uh, you've, you've drunk 100 mils of vodka. You go and you get into this police control. You blow. And then in Germany, you go up. You, your, your breath test, uh, the alcohol level in your breath goes up to 0.0. Six, And then, you know, you have to give up your license. If, if it goes up to, you've only dropped one mil, then it goes up up to 0.006, then of course you can keep on driving. That's okay. That means that the alcohol breath test has been standardized to light up when a limit has been reached. Okay. Now the PCR test has never been standardized so that it says, oh, You've got 0.6 and therefore you go into quarantine and you have COVID-19. No, if it goes up to 0.006, it still lights up as positive, you see. So you might have been drinking a a fruit juice with a little bit of alcohol. You get caught to this control and off you go to quarantine. And this is something that is so criminal. Uh, It's criminal because a test is being used that has never been validated for diagnosis, validated for the diagnosis, which means a clinical diagnosis. Um, What this test sees is bits, parts of the genome of the virus, sequences of the genome, all right, which are relatively specific, but not absolutely specific. So uh, if you, if you, let this test go on and on and on. And it's so infinitely that um, you can rig this test so that virtually everyone in the world is going to be positive because uh, everyone in the world is going to have 0.006% per mil alcohol, you see. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's just too sensitive. And um, in fact, all these tests that are being done, are not telling you at all whether someone has the infection. They're not seeing that at all. So
0: when people are coming back from positive tests, but they're asymptomatic, those are people who had a drop of vodka in their fruit juice.
1: Well, that is what we are sure is the case, but no one has taken any care to follow this up, because all you have to do is say, all right, you know yesterday uh, our minister said oh wow we had a, what I, I don't keep keep track of these numbers because they're so ridiculous you know we had 12,000 cases yesterday. 12,000 cases a case is a disease you know someone who has a, the illness is a case not a, a scrap of paper where you have a one cross positive uh, and uh, these people have no no symptoms uh, and and they sent in to quarantine. All you have to do is follow them up for 10 days and see whether they have any symptoms and you'll find out they don't. Well,
0: this is something I find strange because I, I wonder why the WHO has not stepped in on this because even if you recall back to 1981, in the early days of AIDS, there was a distinction made at a certain point between who tested positive for HIV and who was considered to have AIDS, or as they called full blown AIDS, and that was based on a T cell count. And it seems that today the groups of who is asymptomatic is being lumped together with those people on respirators.
1: Of course, and it's being done on purpose. And the trouble is, you see, uh, that whenever anyone enters the ICU, whether it's a heart attack or a stroke or cancer or an accident, the first thing they do is do a PCR test for COVID-19, or for the SARS-CoV-2, all right? And of course, because this test is far, far, far too sensitive, even those people who have 0.002 per mil, light up and are positive. So the moment they are positive and they're on the is oh, a new COVID-19 patients on the respirator. All those numbers are exploding, all right? And the moment one of these patients come in, and of course they come in all the time, because this test, this testing must be stopped or it must be standardized for God's sake. You've got to put the lim- limit at 0.5, right? And if you don't do that, you are, going to get into the worst catastrophe that medicine ever seen, because now, whenever anyone in the hospital has a positive test, everyone gets into their uh, Mars or Moon, uh, mm-hmm. th- 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 costumes, you know, and their, their right. masks. and masks. <laughs> They can hardly work anymore because they, 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 they are poisoning themselves with the CO2 behind the mask, as, as we all know. After two hours, they, they, they have to go and have a break. And so there's no personnel anymore. And after they've done that, they have to go into quarantine for two weeks or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, the healthcare system is going to break down. But it's hold fold
0: well if the pcr tests if the pcr tests are useless for mass testing is there a place for these tests outside of the clinical setting i mean okay and are there better tests that could be used to test medical staff care home staff care home visitors
1: no if the staff is healthy no there is no there is no Uh, scientific publication in the world that has ever shown that non-symptomatic individuals will spread this virus in the general population. Maybe in care homes, maybe, there the evidence is partial. So what one has to do in nursing homes, care homes, care facilities, is to be very careful not to let anyone with symptoms Go to work that is the only thing you really have to do all right and there's no reason to go around testing you know we talked to one of the care, care uh, nursing homes workers uh, one of the one of the chiefs uh, a few days ago and he said look of course any infection that enters nursing homes is bad whether it's a norovirus whether it is a flu but we are trained we know all about this and um, anyone with good training uh, will see to it that their nursing homes uh, don't get infected. And that's what uh, the Germans have been doing with, with, with very good success all the time. Um, you know, that's, 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 that's the only thing you have to do. Protect protect those who are at risk. But otherwise, so the elderly
0: and the immunosuppressed, basically. The
1: elderly with pre-existing disease, not the elderly. The, the LA, being older than 70 doesn't make you, doesn't make you, you know, uh, vulnerable. Now, I, I belong to the group over 70, all right? I'm 74. But you, I, I would never dream of doing anything to protect myself against this virus. I know very well that I, this virus can, I, I can deal with it, all right? As I've dealt with all the coronaviruses before.
0: Well, we've seen the government's pressing for these lockdowns. Now, quasi-lockdown in certain regions around Italy. There's green, yellow, orange, and red, just like a traffic light. In England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, various forms of lockdown are taking place there until various points in December. And the mandatory mask wearing... You know, I was going to ask you, does the science support it? And I woke up this morning, I don't know if you saw, in uh, The Spectator is an article about the DanMask19, the Danish study that says, I quote, there is no statistical, statistically significant difference between those who wore masks and those who did not when it came to be infected by COVID-19. This was a three-month study done this year.
1: Yeah, but of course not anyone could have told said that of course it how could they protect i mean first of all i say again there is not a single publication in the world that has shown that in the general populace one individual will infect another individual who then will suffer from COVID-19, which is the serious illness. Not a single case in the world. Now, what these people have done is that they've gone to find out whether there's been any reduction in PCR positive cases, which is even, you know, even more ridiculous. But anyway, uh, and they don't find anything either. So why should they find anything? I mean, you know, me tell you, the same situation uh, was was had gone viral for influenza, for the flu, 30 years ago. 30 years ago people were wondering whether non-symptomatic people running around would spread the flu, because the flu is much, much more serious than, than uh, COVID-19. The flu claim, claims many, many more deaths among people under 70 who run around here, walk around the streets, and so people were worried about that. And there were so many studies published over about 20 years. And after 20 years, one group sat down, like John Ioannidis, to look at these studies and come to a final conclusion. And the final conclusion they came to in 2009 was that there is no evidence that non-symptomatic, pre infected individuals will spread the flu in the general population. So it's ex- exactly what's happening now. Now people are starting, oh, uh, the masks don't work, social distancing, work. what a surprise.
0: Tell me this, because you do convincingly explain how positive test results should not be seen as cases and how the disease COVID-19 is not the same as the, vi- the virus SARS-CoV-2. You also seem to dismiss the idea that there is a second wave happening. Yet we are seeing in parts of Europe, in North America, wards filling up with people. Now there's a paradox here, however. The places that were worse affected in the spring seem to be less affected now. For instance, London and New York, they haven't seen as serious a rise in infections uh, now as they did then. So what are your thoughts about what might be happening now aside from an increase in testing? For instance, they're calling this, you know, the the second wave, but anyways, the second half of that first wave in the spring were in areas where COVID was ostensibly blocked by lockdown. What are your thoughts on this?
1: No, no, no. I I think the whole business is so hazy, uh, so fuzzy and so impossible to analyze because you have no real data. You know, a scientist who has no data cannot do science. You, if Newton once said, if you don't, if you can't measure something, you can't research it. And you can't me- research these numbers because these numbers are meaningless. As I think we've already said, I don't know what infections numbers are telling me. I only know, I only know one thing. And that is that the fatality rates are not going up. The fatality rates are not really going up. Mm, And and what is is certain is that if you look at the fatality rates across Europe and America, any states you look at, you see that the rates are steady, the same. Uh, You may see um, that. I think in France, the fatality rates uh, of COVID-19 are going up, all right? But since the total number of deaths per day is the same as every day as yesterday and the day before, this is obviously a number that is false. Obviously, you're replacing, let's say, heart attack deaths or stroke deaths or cancer deaths with COVID-19 deaths that's what's happening and if it's happening less in london and new york it may be happening less because people are more careful in in diagnosing because people know very well that if you calibrate these pcr tests so that you're looking at 0.6 then the number of false positives is going to sink like a stone in water now I, this is maybe a trivial explanation of why it's not happening in new york but you see I don't want to start speculating about anything else. I'm just saying, don't believe it. Just do believe it.
0: Well, certainly we're seeing um, other illnesses, aside from the comorbidities you mentioned, of which many are dementia. We've, thought, we've seen this in the media recently, in Ireland, yes. in the UK. Absolutely. Uh, we're also seeing stories about long COVID. I joined a long COVID group on Facebook because I was curious about what this meant. And it seems... Should be very murky. I mean, people are suffering, but uh, to what degree this is COVID or other comorbidities uh, is yet to be seen, because as you mentioned, there is no science on this.
1: There's no science. There's absolutely no science. And uh, sure, uh, in fact, those poor people with dementia, uh, they may have died because of the measures that are being taken. Uh, to to, to, to to limit uh, this virus which is which is which are ridiculous you know they're not being taken care of anymore and they need care they need they need they need care and they need love and they need people around them and they've been isolated they've been mistreated maltreated and 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 now people wonder why the major comorbidity in Ireland and the UK is you know it's 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 so it's so disturbing uh, that that politicians uh, don't, don't, don't realize that they're killing people and, uh, and, and that medical people themselves don't realize this. This is so terrible.
0: Well, I, I was finishing up a piece just before we, sp- we, we spoke today, and I've talked about this in the piece that I'll be putting up shortly as to where the politicians are, where are the social scientists, where are the psychologists, because... One thing I had to deal with this week, unfortunately, is I have a five-year-old child who has suffered. We're finding out now because of lockdown. And this is having a huge impact. His nursery is telling me that we're not alone. There are so many other kids that are regressing and nobody is speaking out about this.
1: Yes, and this is something that we're really trying to push over the cliff. Because what we're seeing now is that the parents, The parents have a responsibility for their children. They cannot allow others to mistreat their own children by forcing them to wear masks. Everyone knows that mask wearing is damaging to the health of any child. Everyone knows, everyone (laughs) who studied medicine knows this. So it's the doctors in the first place must stand up and say uh, this is a crime against children against humanity you are doing something that um, in fact uh, will put you in front of a tribunal one day it it, it is you are now uh, you are now uh, Putting the lives of your own children at risk, Uh, your health of your children is being damaged. And you should know this. If you don't know this, you deserve to go to prison. That's absolutely sure. You know, the CO2 concentration behind these masks in the children goes up. Everyone knows this. And everyone knows that the CO2 concentration in the blood goes up. And in fact, people are measured There are scientists who are measuring the concentration of CO2 behind the mask now, um, so that they have numbers. And the first numbers that are out already say that the concentration of CO2 behind these damn masks are higher than the concentration that is allowed on working places of the human adult, all right? So people who are forcing Uh, they are bus uh, drivers to wear masks, forcing the people in the restaurants or the restaurants all closed, in in, in the supermarket to wear masks, are now committing a crime, you see. And all those teachers are committing crimes. We get uh, letters begging us to help. One letter is from a doctor. And he says, you know, it's getting cold now. So the children need fresh air because they're behind these damn masks. So what do these stupid, stupid teachers do? They open the windows and let that cold air come in to the classroom so that the children get more oxygen. How stupid can you get? And he says, these poor children, you know, they're frozen after school. They come and their parents bring them and they're, Cold, just cold, shivering cold. Uh, they, and these children are going to get pneumonia. Not, not the, this damn virus. They're going to get just normal pneumonia. You know, there's a, there's a bacteria. that's just waiting for children to get undercooled, to get chilled. And they get the bacterial pneumonia. And this bacterial pneumonia, I tell you, does exactly the same to the children that the COVID does. They get short of breath. Uh, they, they, they get tired and this bacterium stays in the body of these children for months not weeks it just stays for months and months and months it can stay there until the children actually get seriously seriously ill and usually this bacterium is not diagnosed because the diagnosis is not simple and if the child does not get an antibiotic that could really really mean that it's going to get horribly ill and if that poor child is forced to wear a mask and is ill because of the bacterium god knows what's going to happen i don't and i don't want to know
0: and also children are not being exposed to other uh elements that are actually good for them to be exposed to.
1: No, no, these masks don't do anything except increase the CO2 behind them. They don't, they, they don't, they don't prevent anything. Uh, and all they do is make children ill. That's the only thing they do.
0: You're listening to Savage Minds. We hope you're enjoying the show. Please consider subscribing. We depend on listeners and readers just like you. Now, back to our show. Sweden was one of the outliers in the spring and throughout the summer. Now it seems to have started moving towards not lockdown, but mitigation efforts that resemble much of what's happening in the rest of Europe. But one thing I don't understand about the recent move by countries like Spain, France, UK, Italy, this is what they're telling the public. We're going to lock down in this way, read 50 pages, and we're going to get ready for Christmas. Now to me, this is crazy. If you're going to have lockdown only to then reopen for Christmas time, it's I use the metaphor of trying to hold water in a colander, you know, that siphons out the pasta from the hot water. Why are we doing this lockdown, then no lockdown? Isn't that counter logic to anyone who would believe that lockdown would be a good thing?
1: Look, everyone who who knows about this knows that the lockdown is a big fake. Uh, So, of course, if, 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 if they can do whatever they want, nothing will, nothing will happen. Um, I think that Madrid actually uh, uh, refuses to follow the general, uh, the government's, uh, um, uh, yeah, is violating the government's uh, rules. Mm-hmm. Madrid, have you heard of, about this?
0: Yes, there were a lot of protests about two, three weeks no, ago. No, no.
1: The, uh, I think the, Minister-President of, of the region, Madrid, refused to do so. And I think uh, they've reopened everything. I, I haven't checked this, but this is what people have told us. And of course, nothing happens there either. Just the same as Tanzania. We just received a mail two days ago from Tanzania. And do you know that Tanzania has, has done nothing of the sort, nothing that the world is doing since August? Did, did you know this?
0: yes i was aware of tanzania and there's a few other outliers yeah it's very strange because the countries that you would assume to have less excellent health care are often doing better
1: well of course they're doing better because these don't this, these lockdowns are causing nothing than harm this is this is well known i mean the collateral damage is so horrible you don't want to really think about it. you know uh, we, we we belong uh, to the people who who have friends in these in, in these circles that are hit everything is hit you know uh, their existences are hit they're, they're, our friends are now uh, without jobs they, 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 they they've lost everything that they've saved uh, they are uh, on uh, social welfare people who used to be you know, Good middle class. Um, m- my mother-in-law almost died because of this masked uh, masquerade. She was forced to wear a mask, and she has cancer, and she collapsed in the supermarket and almost died. You know? Yes. Oh, uh, my brother-in-law had a heart attack, and we weren't able to visit him. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. And and um, uh, okay, I have a daughter. 16-year-old uh, who, who lives uh, with her mother in Dusseldorf, and she wanted to come visit me uh, on my birthday. Then one day before, she says, I can't come because I'm in quarantine, because a girlfriend uh, who is in the same class uh, was tested positive, and now I have to stay at home for two weeks. You know, what, what's going on here? What is going on? Uh, everything is being disrupted. Families are being disrupted. Um, the whole social structure is disrupted. No one wants to talk to anyone a, anymore. The, no one looks at the other in his face or eyes anymore. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare.
0: Yet Germany's numbers, even though they were quite high three weeks ago, seem to have come much more quickly down compared to neighboring countries. What has Germany done that has resulted in fewer cases and, frankly, uh, fewer deaths that are being classified as COVID
1: deaths? Well, it's very easy. You see, um, uh, I think it was about a week ago or 10 days ago, suddenly, this Minister Spahn um, said, oh, uh, I think that we should stop testing, uh, you know, uh, too much (laughs) and go back to testing those who are ill so the number of tests dropped uh half immediately and with the, of course the number of positives that's that simple and we we were worried because we we thought all right oh dear this terrible guy he is terrible um, uh, is now uh using the next trick uh to to say Oh, guys, look, now it's the beginning of December. Hurrah, we made it. The numbers have gone down and we can reopen the shops for Christmas. Do you understand? Uh, but, but guys, uh, be careful, be very careful. We're not sure whether we'll have, to have another lockdown after Christmas. So what they want to do is they want to mislead people into thinking that, you know, they've been because of the ministry, because of Spahn and the heroes behind the scenes, you know, uh, they can go shopping again, and uh, maybe even sing. I don't know whether he's going to let people sing together. But no, they're not going to sing. You know, if people don't go to church, I mean, it's it's so it's so amazing that the people do this. I I, I, I compare this situation to um, you know yeah, it's it's a nightmare. I see the Pied Piper. I see the pipe Piper and he's blowing this satanic pipe. And he, it's not the rats that are following him now. It's the people around me. And they all have masks and they're all uh, in not grasping each other's hands, but keeping 1.5 to two meters distance. So stupid, uh, you know. Heads bowed down and following. They've left their homes, they've left their beautiful country, and they may be sure that if they don't rip those masks off soon, and if they don't grasp their hands and start singing soon to outdo these, these, these satanic tones, then someone else is going to come and move into their homes and into their country. This is for sure, is what's going to do.
0: But this is uh, the strange thing going on behind the scenes is we're told in the spring, there'll be a search for a vaccine. And now this past week, we were told that BioNTech vaccine works to the tune of 95%. But we're not hearing about potential dangers. There's Pfizer, Sputnik, Moderna, they have also reported good preliminary data. What are your thoughts about these vaccines? Because there seems to be not a lot of transparency as well, when there's, they're paused and people are reported as being very ill, like what's going on?
1: Uh, nothing good is going on. Nothing good at all. Uh, what is going on is something that we feared would happen. That's why we wrote this section on vaccines in the book. And uh, we, we put everything, almost everything <laughs> that was in our hearts in, onto paper. So that if you read this, you will know what you have to fear. Uh, this is something that people will not understand unless they sit down and do a bit of reading, all right. Um, now, let me come back to the fact that if you are under 70, your chance of dying because of this virus or with this virus is five out of 10,000, all right? Now a vaccine is only, will only pass, all right? The regulations uh, as a vaccine, if you can show that it is efficacious. You know, if a if, if hundred people get tetanus, 90 will die, this is known. If 100 are vaccinated and get tetanus, they won't get tetanus, they get the bacterium, no one is going to die. So this vaccine is definitely extremely efficacious and that's why I have always taught people to get vaccinated, all right? Get vaccinated against tetanus and diphtheria. These are absolutely wonderful vaccinations, but If your chances of dying is 0.05%, you cannot reduce those numbers by any vaccine in the world. So, bottom line, who under 70 years of age wants to get vaccinated, my question. My answer, I cannot imagine that anyone will want to get vaccinated, but if you do, go ahead. If you're sure that the vaccine is safe. For people who are over 70 or 75 with pre-existing illnesses who might profit from a safe vaccine, the case is clear. If the vaccine is safe and efficacious, meaning that it is known to reduce the number of deaths in this group of individuals where the case fatality rate does go up to 10% or even 20% because of their pre-existing illnesses, all right? But in order to do that, you would have to do a damn difficult clinical study. You understand? You would have to have 10,000 people with dementia who get the virus and 10,000 of people with dementia who have been vaccinated and get the virus, and then count the deaths. This is a horrible thing to say, but that's the only way to show that the study uh, that your vaccine is efficacious. And this is a study that is virtually impossible to perform.
0: For the lack of ability to keep in line with human ethics, I presume, testing ethics.
1: It cannot be in line with human ethics. And therefore, this vaccine is hardly able to be released for use in patients or people with pre-existing illness at all. Because there is no way to, to test its safety in this group, all right? And at the very least, at the very least, what one would have to demand would be that these vaccines are tested for safety in valid animal models. And even that has not been done. Even that has not been done. Now, to come to me and say that the vaccine, whether it's Biontech or Moderna, I I don't really care which company, uh, that it is efficacious and reduces infection by 90% or whatever, cannot be anything but a lie, because they are not looking at any numbers that are realistic. They don't look at deaths. They are looking at positive PCR tests. And we've gone through this before. All right. Uh, If you look at something meaningless, don't come back to me and say that you have a meaning.
0: Well, this seems to be much as much a statement as not only about medical ethics and capitalism, frankly, because there's a serious problem there. Um, who's pushing these vaccines. I mean, they were being pushed before they were being developed, I'm sure you recall. (laughs) And we had Bill Gates on CNN every day. I was like, is he now a newscaster for CNN? Because one would have thought so if one had been a Martian looking at our news. On the other hand, we're told things that we shouldn't do to avoid getting the virus and things we should do, such as vitamin D, Exercise. Of course, governments were saying don't go out of your house. So, if you're going to exercise, that makes it rather difficult. There seems to be a problem within our, our modality about thinking about our own health as a culture. You know, all this emphasis on public health has gone towards the virus <clears throat> and how to not get the virus. But there was also no surprise for me. I'm a Canadian and I'm an American. When I saw the numbers skyrocket in the states, because we know one of the comorbidities, well, three of the comorbidities, the United States excels at: heart disease, diabetes, and obesity.
1: Obesity, yes. And
0: we're not seeing a lot of discussion about that because a lot of these topics are forbidden to discuss, right?
1: Yes, right. You see, um, th- this is one of the things that uh, that depress us, um, people. Um, You know, a friend of ours says that the problem is that uh, the Western society has become, is coming to an end. Uh, It's, you know, it's getting, has gotten into the last phase of decadence. And decadence is uh, uh, the state where the individual um, no longer is, is intellectually, academically active. He, he, he gets lazy, all right, because his life has been so good, spoiled. There's no, there's no incentive uh, to, to do any brain work. And so the main, the main activity that people around us have is, oh, how do I... Uh, continue to enjoy my life as it, it has been. This is decadence. And the trouble is that um, this leads to internal social distancing because people don't get together anymore. They, they Each individual cast mainly for himself and, and for his own well-being and whether his computer games work, his television is working, his, you know, all, all this. Uh, and, and the iPhones and you see everyone just just looking at their phones and nothing else. So, uh, people have become isolated. And this is where uh, the, the let, let, let me say this, the people, uh, the elite, who have done best and actually rule the world, all right, let's say we're looking at 0.1%, there are maybe 8 million people in the world of the 8 billion. Um, they They have ca- their power has increased so much because the eight billion don 't care about anything except themselves all right so the moment the moment you can really get this stone rolling so down 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 the slope it can 't roll up again, and this stone has now been set rolling by the one thing that uh, that works, and that is fear, okay? Fear uh, is the, the, the last straw that will break the camel's back. If someone has almost stopped thinking and gets afraid, then he stops thinking altogether, <laughs> okay? And that's what's happening now. Therefore, people um, are unable to understand what's going on because they are unable to think. They are so panic-driven. All right. I don't know whether what I'm seeing is clear, but when we see people, even you know, our academic, friends in academia, who are unable to open a book and read what's in there, they're unable to do so. And they don't want to do so because they don't want to believe it. They want to believe that the cause of their fear is founded. Because in a way, it's very, it's very, it's very, um, in the end, uh, For the decadent society, it's the easiest way to go, to be afraid, and then just, you know, follow the sound uh, that the others are following. Follow that Piper. He's not doing so badly. The the, the notes that he's blowing, the sounds he's blowing, don't sound that bad, you see?
0: Exactly. I mean, we're seeing, uh, from my perspective, I did a lot of work in the United States post 9-11 uh, on the sus- suspension of certain rights, such as habeas corpus. And I see a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities. It's quite frightening how much uh, the attacks on the US, on 9 11, resulted in a similar fear factor where people follow. The very same people, of course, who were rooting for a war, a constructed war in two countries that had zero to do with the 9 11 attacks on the United States, years later, said, oh, I never supported that. We remember, you know, I remember friends supporting that. And we're seeing a similar reaction based on fear, again, of how people are reacting to this virus. In a shop a few months ago, a woman said to me, well, we're not the Swedish. We don't kill our grandparents, right? As if the Swedes were somehow mass murderers for trying a different approach. And I don't think that the jury is out as to how successful or how much a failure Sweden's approach was.
1: Sweden has not done worse uh, than uh, many other countries that had the lockdowns. All these long-term things happen with all other respiratory agents, bacteria. As I told you, there's this one bacterium Mycoplasma. If, if a child is not treated, and it's the most, it's the most common cause of pneumonia in children. All right, and it's hardly ever diagnosed. And it is often, often uh, uh, there's often a co-infection with coronaviruses. So if a child now has this bacterium. He gets tested and he's going to be positive for the, for the coronavirus. He will go into the records as a COVID-19 patient and the bacterium will be overlooked entirely. And whether what happens in one year was due to the bacterium or due to the coronavirus, God knows. No one will ever find out because you don't look. So, but but sorry, it's known that the flu, this is influenza also has long-term effects in certain people. But they are few, they are the exceptions, so don't go around looking for the exceptions. Uh, Go around looking for the rule and stick by the rule and don't go for the exceptions.
0: True. But then why has there been such a pushback against anyone speaking out? For instance, you mentioned John Ioannidis, whose work I've been following since the spring. And his video on YouTube was taken off. I'm sure you know about that. And I was very happy to see his paper published last month to have been given not only a step of approval via peer review, but also the WHO. But as you know, anyone who speaks about uh, skepticism towards COVID mitigation in many countries is shut down. And YouTube, you know, big tech, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook are doing it as well. And so we're being told what to not say at the very least. I mean, whether or not we can think it is debatable, but we're not allowed to express it in the public arena of social media, which paradoxically during these lockdowns is the only kind of social space that most people have. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, uh, uh, you see the elites, this 0.1%, the 8 million people in the world who are at the top, are now taking over full command. And um, since full command means the end of democracy for the other 8 billion, they have to push their way through. Otherwise, those few of us, and this is the danger that they're running, may be able to, uh, to uh, get, enough people to say no, and enough people to stand up and um, try to regain democracy, (laughs) Uh, which is the only way to go. I mean, it is clear that there is no democracy anymore. We are now living in a totalitarian world, world, not state. You know, 90 years ago, it was just Germany, but now it's the whole world. this is something so terrible and so uh, it 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 it, um, it makes us shiver. We 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 are so frightened. We have a little son, three years old. We don't want him. We can't bear the thought that he's going to uh, go to school uh, in this country because this country is being run. By dictators this is, this is the simple fact we are in a dictatorship you know where um, you know, we live near the the, the Baltic, the sea uh, and um, so there's a promenade, virtually <laughs> beside the sea where people uh, would go every Saturday every, every day if the sun was shining. now imagine. Uh, If you go on this promenade, which is about 1,000 meters, all right, the meeting place for people, you have to wear a mask and you have to keep your social distance. Um, And there's a sign put up in front of this promenade. But it is only between 12 o'clock and 5 o'clock, 12 12 a.m. and 5 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays that you have to do this. And we were there last Sunday at 11. And at 12, we left the promenade to sit down in front to see what was going to happen. So half an hour later, a police car came. Two police got out, put on their masks, and went to see whether the people were following. That's, you know, that's a thing. It's now half past 12. If you haven't put on your mask, you are going to pay 50 euros fine. Can you imagine this?
0: People are comparing lockdown to the Iron Curtain countries of the post-50s, 60s, 70s era. But at least in those countries, they were free to leave their houses, go to the sea without masks. I mean, this is quite worse. And I don't think we're given the full spectrum by media or politicians.
1: Of course, you you don't have to think, you know that we're not. And and you know that this is uh, profoundly disturbing because there's no way, no other conclusion that one can come to than that there is an agenda behind this. This is being done on purpose. And this very thought uh, makes us so afraid for our child, for our children, you know, because and if those guys up there are doing this willfully, they're already killing people. They're poisoning our children with CO. You know, they, they don't stop at anything. Then this agenda must be driven. Mu- there must be a huge, huge prize behind all of this. And we don't want to know what it is. We just know that it must be evil. It must be something very evil.
0: Are there scientists who are pushing back against the WHO? For instance, I've seen that your name is added to the Great Barrington Declaration, which now has over 47,000 signatories between medical practitioners and medical and public health scientists. Are you and others also advocating that perhaps the WHO be re- conceptualized or include a broader range of voices, especially in the exceptional cases of global pandemics?
1: Well, certainly. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, The WHO has to be, has to simply be reformed. It cannot go on like this, you know. It's, It's simply, it's so awful And the moment I say this, I can tell you that uh, if you put this interview on YouTube, it's going to be removed. Because we were told by YouTube that uh, no one is allowed to say, to to criticize the WHO, simply. Uh, And, um, (laughs) all right, so. No more. I'd say no more, otherwise, you know, we have no ch- we have no chance.
0: No, well, I'm not putting this on YouTube, thank goodness. <laughs> One of the things I had to think of when I set up Savage Minds was where to go where I could ensure that there would be no censorship, because this is the next step. As I mentioned earlier, big tech silences scientists like Ioannidis and many others who've spoken out about their observations, just saying, as a doctor in California, this is what I've seen. Doctors have had their videos removed from YouTube and elsewhere. So it is important that you know people understand the ramifications because it's, I mean, a lot of people are very quick to say, oh, those people are just anti-vaxxers. Well, there's a fine line between Studying a situation carefully and coming to an educated conclusion as opposed to just having watched, you know, some kind of video and, you know, getting a tattoo because it looks cool, you know. And I don't, I think we've been so anti intellectual as a world culture around many issues, not just COVID 19 that people are very quick to follow whatever they're told. I mean, one example I referred to recently was the CNN's coverage where the governor of New York State's brother, who's an anchor on CNN, you know, his whole life under COVID was made into a drama. And I watched it a little bit here and there as I could during lockdown thinking, you know, this is a bit fake. In fact, it's quite fake. And nobody was questioning CNN's coverage, and then Dr. Fauci, and you know you know the story in the US, it's a little crazy what's gone on there, because it's, it was a reality TV show that was scripted. Very few people are speaking about this, because I think a lot of people are, as you mentioned earlier, the fear factor has made people just freeze, and they don't know what to think.
1: And they don't know, <laughs> and therefore they don't think. That's why we wrote the book, you know, but because because uh, there the, the facts are laid down, uh, all the facts, and 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 you can check them and the authors and.
0: And the Great Barrington Declaration. What hope do you think that will have to change the wave of thinking?
1: Well, um, we are we are in touch, of course, with the organizers all the time, and we're... We're we're trying to, um, to to draw an addendum to this great Barrington de- Declaration because it needs some sort of uh, it needs some amendment, and uh, this is taking us quite a lot of time at the moment. Um, but we're also networking, um, you know, getting Panda, which is the organization, as you know, uh, into contact with the. With the with organizations in Europe uh, who are trying to do the same, and um, in the end, uh, you know there are also uh, teams of lawyers uh, in Germany, and um, in Panda has a team of lawyers, and we're trying to get them together uh, so that uh, lawsuits can be filed. Uh, then, what? what we are also going to try to do is to, to get more information out to the world. But all of this takes a lot of organization and um, yeah, it, it takes time. And it's, time is what we don't really have because everything is going at breakneck speed as, as, as you know.
0: Have <laughs> you received much pushback or censorship in Germany?
1: Oh, I'm pushed back all the time. I sense it all the time.
0: And uh, are you able to get a voiced response that's made public or does the pushback happen in terms of just shut up?
1: (laughs) Well, there's been a little bit of change over the last, uh, what is it, eight weeks so uh, you know, my wife and I have actually done uh, interviews with uh, mainstream <laughs> um, newspapers. Newspapers. Uh, one one was here just two days ago. One of the really big newspapers uh, in Germany, and we've done uh, interviews with the mainstream Swiss newspapers that got excellent, really tremendous reviews and feedback. So. You know, people are saying it's not, it's not all for nothing, but it's taking a lot of time and effort.
0: And what is your advice to the younger generation of, of school children, even university students who, many of whom have opted out of studying this year because for them, online classes was just a bad idea. What is, is there any hope throughout all this?
1: Our only hope is that enough people who have not yet completely stopped thinking will go back to reading and writing. <laughs> uh, and not only our book, but also things like the papers of Ioannidis uh, and, and many others. There are many others who, who have you know, uh, put down some very, very good thoughts on paper, and uh, then stand up and claim back your rights, your rights as uh, as people living in a so-called democratic country. That's the only way to get back, get democracy back uh, to the people. It's the people who have to call out for it themselves. Otherwise, I don't think we have a chance.